0: You are listening to National Security Law Today. Welcome to National Security Law Today, the podcast from the American Bar Association Standing Committee on Law and National Security. This week's episode will be a segment from the recent Women in National Security Law virtual launch panel that the Standing Committee held on June 4th, 2020. As our listeners may remember, National Security Law Today has been doing a podcast series on 19 women in national security in recognition of the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment. And this panel features four more incredible women who work in the field. The podcast will start with remarks by Ambassador Bonnie Jenkins, who's a member of the Advisory Committee to the Standing Committee on Law and National Security, as well as the founder and executive director of Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security. Bonnie Jenkins has had a long career in nonproliferation and previously served as a special envoy and coordinator for threat reduction programs in the Bureau of International Security and Nonproliferation in the U.S. State Department. Then you'll hear from Cynthia Ryan, the chair of the ABA Standing Committee on Law and National Security, the former general counsel of the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, and the former chief counsel of the Drug Enforcement Agency. You'll also hear from Mika Oyeng, the vice president for the national security program at Third Way, who formerly served on Capitol Hill, including his ha- staff to the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence and the House Armed Services Committee. You'll also hear from Don Browning, the deputy general counsel for the national security and cyber law branch at the FBI, who formerly worked at the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court and the counterterrorism law section in the FBI's Office of General Counsel. As a reminder, all of the attorneys who appear on our shows and at our events are here in their individual capacity and and not representing any agency or firm. If you like this segment of the panel, you can hear the entire thing, including the Q&A session, on our website at americanbar.org slash natsecurity, or follow the link in the notes to the show. The full biographies of all four of these panelists will also be linked there as well.
1: Thank you, Cindy, and thank you to everyone who is joining us today. We are really happy to have you for our first launch here. And uh, I should say that um, we're going to be having more of these discussions in the future. So we really hope that after this launch, this launch that you will continue to stay in in contact with us. Um, And I'll say a little bit more about that uh, toward the end of our panel discussion. Um, It's been really a a great opportunity for me to be asked to help take a leading uh, role in, in launching this uh, this, uh, this 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 uh, initiative, and uh, it really is an opportunity to bring more attention to women working in this field of law, which I think is increasingly important, um, and to also work with our, our our male lawyers also in this field. I should say that the mission of the uh, of the initiative is to support promote and develop women engaged in the practice of national security law. And so you can expect future events will continue to highlight that um, and will focus on women women in the field of law and to highlight women who are leaders, role models, mentors, sponsors, and champions of the current and future generation of women lawyers. So um, we are going to have an opportunity to hear from these three amazing women. Um, and they're going to talk a little bit about what they do and their fields. And then we're going to have an opportunity to have a dialogue followed up with some Q&As. So I first like to ask uh, Cynthia Ryan to say a few words.
2: So thank you, Bonnie, the fact that you think, you know, we're all amazing. Um, uh, I think every, everybody's amazing in their own way. Uh, but, you know, we all started somewhere in our career. And sometimes when you see us in our bios at the where we are now, you think, oh my gosh, how did they ever get there? Well, I'm gonna tell you real quickly about how I got into the field of national security law because a lot of us are gonna cover that. You know, how do we get there? Because that seems to be what your questions are, is how do you get into it? Well, I kind of fell into it. I would, well, I'll just put it this way, it was forced on me. The, um, I was a DEA staff counsel back in, started in 88. By 89 and 90, CIA and DOD got all this big counter-narcotics money and they all wanted all of our data. And they wanted to do all kinds of things, but DEA was the primary agency for uh, drug law enforcement for the United States. And nobody in my office knew anything about data sharing outside of the law enforcement community. Because I was the first in, I'd already been a prosecutor for 10 years, so I was familiar with criminal law and procedure but intelligence sharing and there, was no, there wasn't there was any textbook. There wasn't anything about national security law. There was very, was very little case law. Um, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing and very uncomfortable feeling. So I started reaching out to lawyers in other places and I ended up learning literally on the job by people from great attorneys, from NSA and Department of Defense and CIA, um, National Security Council. I was not afraid to call people. uh, So I just started calling people. And everybody was helpful. And we learned, it was the beginning of learning how to take that unclassified open source, you know, law enforcement information is sensitive, but eventually it ends up in court. How do you take classified information and you don't let it be exposed in court? And how do you handle that, but get the use out of it? And how do you have a trusting relationship between the communities? And that's how I started. The other point was I started going to the standing committee's events. There are breakfasts with speakers, and you just get sat down at somebody next to somebody, and you start meeting people and um, sharing business cards and asking for help and asking for advice. And one person who's, you know, very well known in our committee and in this field is Harvey Rishikoff you know just kind of took me under his wing just sort of paid attention to me and department of justice uh what is now national security division then was office of intelligence policy and review um, also was extremely helpful Uh, so that's how i got started and once i got hooked and once i got a little bit more comfortable space in it um in learning sort of more the law i really i really loved it um i ended up being the chief counsel at dea and I really didn't get to do much of that that area anymore. But then an opportunity came up to be the General Counsel, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, which is one of the Department of Defense intelligence agencies. It's the stuff that looks in the sky and does imagery and geographic stuff and puts it together and helps uh, all federal government agencies and I bridged that by before I left DEA. DEA was wanted to get into the intelligence committee, at least a little bit of it, and I worked with the stand-up, the Office of Director of National Intelligence, to actually what that was going to look like, and then how how to affect that legally. And I went then to NGA, and I got to get back into the. I got, now I'm on the intelligence side of things, so that was really exciting. So we go from this very beginning and now what am i doing with the committee is one of the emphasis i brought and what is sort of on our issue on our issue plate today is space law who would have thought i wouldn't know about space law but uh very exciting i'm not a technical background uh, but at nga you know we we had satellites and uh, we got involved with spacex we got involved with a lot of the new commercial companies coming on board that was doing imagery and i got to know them and i saw what a burgeoning this was going to be this is a really big issue for national security it's a growing issue so if you like issues that are expanding uh you know we went from drugs to terrorism to cybersecurity and space is now a big issue uh, uh, a lot of different issues go on there so that's also very exciting and um so there's other people who also have been asking you know has covid-19 changed my work? Well, I'm retired, (laughs) so it's not changing me, except for the fact that it has changed our committee's work. And as the chair, we've had to work through, uh, we just had a Zoom meeting, a mid-year meeting, and our conference, our annual conference, yes, we're going to have it again, but it's going to be virtual. Uh, So we're planning on a virtual event. It will still have the same number of CLE, but we're going to have a series of webinars, and we're working on some of the the key current topics in national security um, at this time. And uh, it'll start, that'll start in the fall and you'll see more on that. So I also just wanted to say, you know, I started my career a long time ago. I'll just say how long ago it was. Um, women in national security law, I'll just say women in law when I started were was not very often. I also came from Delaware like Dawn and um, I went to, to a law school and 10% of the class was women. And um, then I became a Delaware prosecutor, which was my dream job, and I loved it, but I was one of four women, and I wasn't very well accepted, except I got to know the guys because I drink beer. Um, but the, um, a lot of sexual harassment at that time. I ignored it and moved on and did not let it deter me. I got to DEA, had a great time. I was the DOJ a short time as well, but I think the key is is that even when you're outnumbered, and a DEA was only one of three SESers at the time, uh, female SESers, I never really thought about it. I was the first chief counsel, female chief counsel DEA, was the first NGA female chief general counsel. I didn't think about it, I just did it. And I wasn't gonna let other people deter me from the job I felt that I needed uh, to do. And to end, um, they were asked me, you know, what advice do we give? My motto is know the law, find the way. Uh, I think you start out with your basics. In any area of new area of law, you try to learn what those areas are, what are some of the basic laws. You know, one of the good one of the good uh, ways to do that is we the committee has a book. It's an avian publication. It's the US intelligence community law source book. It's a great desk book. And uh, we we uh, we update it every every two years. Um, But there's also the National Security Law Journal coming out of Georgetown uh, and some some other ones you could could read uh, to get interested. And do your best at whatever you do. And network, as I've discussed, networking is really key in keeping up with that network and get yourself at least one mentor, usually two. Men and women are really good mentors uh, no matter what your field. Uh, So I look forward to your questions and I'll talk with you again. Thank you so much for that,
1: and for uh, giving some ideas and some uh, some uh, best practices for getting into the field. And it's interesting how many how many women I've spoken with who got into the field, not necessarily knowing they were the field or falling into the field. That kind of happened with myself. <laughs> um, so Mika, why don't you give us some of your thoughts, please?
3: Sure. Thanks, Bonnie, and um, thanks to Holly and Nicole for putting this together. And Cynthia for setting up this this initiative. It's really great to see this. I've been doing a lot of work um, mentoring women in national security. I'm on the steering committee of a organization called the Leadership Council of Women in National Security, which I know Bonnie's very involved with. Um, and so, you know, we we try and help women in this field because it's been. Um, a place where women have not always been as welcome. And, um, you know, in my career in national security law, I'm a little bit different than other folks. I'm not a practicing attorney, but I've sort of oscillated between national security and the law until sort of realizing that I could bring those two things together. Um, You know, I started my career on Capitol Hill working for uh, Congresswoman Pat Schroeder, who had been one of the early champions for women in national security and had pushed Um, in the early 90s, to allow, uh, to lift the combat exclusion for women on surface combatants and in combat aviation, because at that time, women were not allowed to serve in combat positions. Um, And there's something really fundamental about women being able to serve at the same level as men in the same ways as men um, in the defense of the nation. And there's something really fundamental about that shift. Um, And I think a lot of times people thought of women as sort helpers, but not the doers in national security. So it was a real um, honor for me to start my career with her and to think about how uh, what what women's role is in national security. Um, and, and so working for her on the Armed Services Committee, I learned a lot of very complicated national security law issues. I wound up moving to the House Armed Services Committee itself, where I ran the Military Personnel Subcommittee for the Democrats um, at a fairly young age before I went to law school. Um, We wrote a lot of provisions on the Uniform Code of Military Justice, so I was sort of making national security law before I was actually a lawyer, Um, but then I left for law school um, and wanted to really focus on the law and sort of discovered that um, the corporate practice of law was not something that I was going to be interested in, and I didn't really want to um, measure out my life in six-minute billing increments, Um, and so returned to government after law school um, and worked for Senator Ted Kennedy, um, who was a senior member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, um, where I was his defense policy advisor and staffed him and all those things starting in uh, early 2003, which was just before the nation crossed the line into Iraq for the Iraq War, and so I served with him then, um, and wound up handling a lot of very... Um, cutting edge, controversial national security law issues. Issues of um, detention, interrogation, torture, questions of um, who is a combatant and who's not a combatant, questions of the limits on electronic surveillance and what um, the statutory uh, balance on that. And then the, the where the rubber really hits the road on national security, um, the balance between the president and Congress in the exercise of its national security powers. Um, so I got to work on a lot of those issues. And as someone who spent most of my career in Congress on Capitol Hill. Um, I've uh, So sort of have a different perspective than a lot of folks who've worked in the executive branch on national security law. Um, after Kennedy, I went to work on the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, where I was one of a small group of lawyers there who did investigations into um, President Bush's warrantless electronic surveillance program, which Resulted in us drafting and passing the FISA Amendments Act, which some of you may have worked on um, previously, and conducting oversight over intelligence programs. Um, le- after I left Hipsy, I came to Third Way, where I've been running the National Security Program ever since, and have been doing a lot more work in um, cybersecurity and cybercrime, which is sort of pulling me more back towards the law side of national security law. Um, so I've seen a wide range of things. Um, I don't. I which don't include the inside of a courtroom often, um, but a lot of national security law and policy issues. And I um, you know, really am so delighted that we can have this conversation among women. I would just say that um, over the course of my career, women, I've seen the growth of women in, in this field and, um, We started from a very low base and we've got a long way to go, but I am encouraged that groups like this have so many women and so many people interested in this field, because I think it's really important. um, As we think about national security policy that we hear from all kinds of different people and not the people who've just traditionally made national security policy. So thank you, Bonnie.
1: Thank you, Mika. Okay, so now uh, I'd like to ask Don to say a few words.
4: Thank you Bonnie, thank you Cindy, Mika, uh, Holly and Nicole for organizing this and thanks everyone for joining us. Um, I think like some of you I feel like I sort of fell into national security law. As a young person I, I decided to be uh, become a lawyer at about the age of 11 out of an interest in social justice issues and I stuck to that path for quite a while. I intentionally chose to go to American University's law school. Um, because of its great history of supporting women in the law. It's a law school that was founded in 1896 by two women when there were no law schools in DC that would educate women. So it was a very appealing place by virtue of that history and the attention it had paid to people who were underrepresented in the law for a long time. Um, So once I finished at AU, I pursued the path of working on social justice issues. I went down to Nashville to serve as a legal aid attorney helping poor victims of domestic violence. Um, I later came back to DC to work for the Legal Services Corporation on the same issues, equal access to justice for the poor. About eight years into my career, I was looking for a different challenge, and so I was putting out applications to jobs. I applied to a single job in the national security field. It was for an attorney position at the Office of Intelligence Policy and Review, uh, which a couple of you have mentioned. Um, I didn't think there was a chance on earth that I would get hired. I had no national security or intelligence experience. Um, but it sounded fascinating and I figured I had nothing to lose so I put my application in luckily for me I had the skill set for the job and the person who was in charge of hiring decided to give me a chance and from that position one thing has led to the other i've been in national security for about 15 years now i spent about five and a half years at the office of intelligence policy and review and again this is the office that brings applications under the foreign intelligence surveillance act to the fisa court i spent some some years as a line attorney some years as a first line manager and after that i had the opportunity to go work for the um, foreign intelligence surveillance court as a legal advisor to the judges for about six years which was quite an experience. I was there during the Snowden uh, Snowden leaks, the Snowden Affair, so it was quite an experience. Um, About three years ago I came to work for the FBI Office of General Counsel, initially spending about a year and a half working as the, um, overseeing the the counterterrorism legal, uh, counterterrorism law section at the FBI Office of General Counsel. More recently I moved about a year and a half ago to become the Deputy General Counsel overseeing the national security and cyber law practice there. Um, And it's been fascinating. I had a very narrow experience in national security law for the first 11 and a half years working pretty exclusively on FISA issues. But my experience at the FBI has broadened my scope a lot and has been just a fascinating experience. Um, You know, to touch upon a couple of the issues that you guys have mentioned, um, you know, being a woman in national security law. is an interesting experience though i don't feel like it has hindered me in any fashion i do i have found that the normal channels into the national security realm like being in the military or being in law enforcement um, tend to be male-dominated fields as we all know with that said i feel like there has been a lot of opportunity in national security law for women In my current office, I think we have real gender parity within the Office of General Counsel at the FBI. The same was true in my office at the Department of Justice. Um, I do periodically feel like if I'm in meetings with FBI leadership, I'm often one or um, one of very few women in the the room. Um, But my advice to anyone in the field, anyone entering the field, is don't be intimidated by that and let your voice be heard. We bring a unique perspective to this practice of law to this field of law, um, which is a perspective that's really valuable and important. So I would encourage you all to let your voice be heard, even as we're In some regards, uh, you know, not fully. uh, There's not full parity between men and women in national security, more generally, perhaps And I'll stop there.
1: Thank you, Don. And I like what you said about um, your voice being heard. I think it's very important to also not select yourself out of things. know don't assume that you won't get something or you can't do something um just don't select yourself out and don't be afraid to be heard um okay so thanks so now we're going to move on to some questions and we'll have a dialogue with the panelists and then we're going to open it up to questions from the audience um and we're going to start with mika at this time and could you tell us what is your typical
3: day like well nowadays it involves me sitting here in my apartment all day long since we're all working from home um, and it's like the 479th day of this or at least it feels like that Um, but i I manage a team of four people um, and my typical day involves uh, meeting with them we are doing a series of work around cybercrime where we're running some working groups to try and think of uh, to to evaluate and and develop reforms uh, for law enforcement and the international community on how to improve the government's ability to fight cybercrime. So we do a lot of coordinating and planning on how to do that. I spend a fair amount of my day um, talking to reporters to explain often um, how Congress is thinking about something on national security or how uh, a national national security law typically works. And I'm also on the management committee of my organization so we've been spending a lot of time thinking about how to manage an organization um, through a national crisis and it's a lot of um, stuff that feels somewhat bureaucratic but is essential on how do you reopen an office in light of a pandemic and how do you support your staff when they're working remotely and um, how do we make sure that people are feeling engaged and safe in this uh, really tumultuous time? So that's what a typical day feels like right now, which I think is pretty different um, than, than it used to be. I do try to find time to write a lot of uh, think pieces, and you guys may have seen some of them. I have had a few in Lawfare recently, which is a nice outlet for talking about national security law issues.
1: Thanks. And and thanks for highlighting what you just said about writing uh, and taking opportunities to write and it's it's very hard to find time to do it. But it's really, uh, I think, something that's worthwhile doing getting your name out there
3: getting the experience um, um, okay, so say say one thing about writing which is um, yeah, sure. some, you know a lot of this is about mentoring I really want to men- I want to mention an organization that I think is incredibly valuable for women who want to write more and it's called the op-ed project and their mission is to try and increase women's voices on the op-ed pages because I think it's a lot more challenging for women to think about putting themselves forward um, in these pages and women are disproportionately underrepresented um, in the opinion pieces and conversations in the media around what's going on um, I actually send everyone who works for me through this project or through, through this program I've been through it it's the op-ed project and, and I strongly recommend it for everyone it's it is a, both a writing training and a mentoring program thanks for that
1: it's very helpful um, okay Don what is your day like normally
4: my day normally is uh frenetic and varied (laughs) the fbi is an incredibly busy place and and there's a lot to do in my job um so it's you know it's a job that argues in favor of being very organized which i endeavor to do every day i think i go in every day with a to-do list and my to-do list is typically overtaken by about 9 a.m with a crisis or the three crises of the day Um, so being at the fbi it's a place where just every day you need to be flexible and reprioritize depending on the needs of the institution and the needs of the public that we serve. Um, to the extent that there's any predictability in it, I spend a lot of time in meetings, meeting with our client groups within, inside of the bureau, meeting with the attorneys in my branch um, to make sure we're moving, you know, addressing the legal issues of the institution um, in terms of substance, you know the things that you read about on the front page of the newspaper or hear about on NPR as you're driving to work are the things that typically occupy my days and the the, the days of the lawyers in my branch. It's um, a lot of a lot of what you read about in current events is is what we're working on from day to day. I will say that COVID-19 has not impacted us too much or totally. Um, the FBI never stops, never closes. I'm still in the office multiple days a week um we've we've made some adjustments for for social distancing for the sake of public you know the public health of everyone but but we keep on keeping on (laughs) we're continuing
2: great thank you um and well as i said i'm retired i retired two years ago but i'll talk about what my day was like um my most recent position uh i was over with nga national geospatial intelligence agency and as a general counsel you get all the issues for the agency, so I, I I'd like to make a, a note that while it's a intelligence uh, agency and DoD agency, um, it also y- you have in any government agency you have not only your what sort of your mission and operational law or in your national security law, but you also have all these other support legal areas. So if you're actually interested in administrative law, like um, personnel, EEO uh, kind of things, or if you're interested in contracts or all those things that make the agency run, but not necessarily the core national security or operational issues, it's exciting to be in that environment and supporting those missions. Uh, So You know, being in national security law is good, but it's also, particularly when you're starting out in the area, you want to sort of rotate through an office or rotate in a lot of those areas because they all interconnect at some point. Privacy Act, FOIA, uh, all of those um, come together. I never thought I would need administrative law uh, when I was in law school. But when I got to DEA became the chief counsel, guess what? they regulatory agency as well as the law enforcement. I had to learn really fast administrative law because we had administrative courts. I'm like, darn, that was that one I didn't take. Um, who would thought I would ever need that? So uh, the day was always um, sort of like what Dawn was saying, whether it was NGA or DEA, uh, you, never, you always had your day scheduled, lots of meetings, lots of coordination, meeting with your clients, getting to know what their mission is, they have a new idea a minute, being receptive to that, helping them work through it, It may not be the way they wanna do it, but you can help them through a a little more uh, risk averse, a little risk less way. Um, And it's always lots of issues. You could have easily 15 to 20 things come up in one day. Right? And so you learn to kind of prioritize, everything's a high priority, but then, you know, how does that all work? And you need, need to be flexible. I wasn't a person when I started out my career that was that flexible. Um, I like things set and then I wanted to do it. And it doesn't work that way any single day. And learning that and learning to really get in a, your own rhythm is was really helpful. So, you know, you could have, um, you can have a privacy act matter, uh, dissemination of information, case uh you might have something new like uh the director of nga one day decided he wanted to put all of our information on the arctic circle out in the open web you know um and we wanted it in 24 hours and wanted to share with third countries and we went you what and you know, there were licensing issues and things like that, and it was a scramble, You know how do you find that out? You never know what the day would bring. Uh, so it could be a variety of issues, but you learn by every one of them. And then you learn that after you've done, gotten that one, that was a key piece because the next thing that ended up on your plate, you never thought would happen, actually you learn from what was behind and you can, that can help you get through. You just keep building your knowledge.
0: Thank you for listening to National Security Law Today from the ABA Standing Committee on Law and National Security. If you'd like to hear the recording of the full panel, including Q&A from audience members, please go to our website, AmericanBar.org NatSecurity, or check the notes to this show. If you'd like to give us feedback or learn more about joining the committee or our Women in National Security Law group, visit us at AmericanBar.org NatSecurity, follow us on Twitter at ABA NatSec, email us at NationalSecurity at AmericanBar.org. We'd love to hear your feedback, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll come back next week with more content for you. And until then, stay well and stay safe. The views expressed on national security law today have not been approved by the House of Delegates or the Board of Governors of the American Bar Association and accordingly should not be construed as representing ABA policy.